Hey guys, it's me, Steve. Just wanted to update you really quick. First of all, apologies to Mitchell Dubinsky on the delay for the pod. This episode is important, not just because it's our 100th episode, but Brad and I are firm believers on what Mitchell preaches and wanted to definitely share that with you all. While Emerald's not going on to the loft anymore, what interview is, and his poem that he reads, his work is actually in the display, so you should go up there and check that out. Moving forward, I don't know, there's got to be easier ways that are less labor-intensive on my end to put the pod together that it sounds good and not take so much time and resource. So it involves money and I don't know, maybe Brad and I sit down and just need to figure out how to spend the money and what to do and so on and so forth. So that's it for now. I really, once again, apologies to Mitchell for taking so long, but here's our 100th episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome everybody You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. We almost lost that last week with the Facebook outage. Didn't know if we were coming back or not, so I'm glad it did so I could keep that in the intro. I could have known wish. <laughs> I know. You're not a Facebook person. I mean, I'm not, but I am, so it's just my life. Gotta sell those cars. Yeah, I mean, it's a necessary evil. It's much like... A lot of other things in the world, I guess. I don't know. I'm sure that I feel probably about Facebook. I'm guessing the way my mom probably felt about cable television. I'm guessing. <laughs> so, yeah. I get, and it's a byproduct of me being an old man. And, and the older I get, the grouchier I get. And I can never understand why old people are so grouchy. And the older I get, the more I understand. It comes with age, apparently. Like, I am full fledged old man now. Like, <laughs> And one of you, I mean, you know, well documented that I love cutting my grass. It's yeah. like my favorite thing. I went and cut my grass last night just so I could have a moment of, you know. It's relaxing. For me, it is. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. Do you, how do you feel about cutting grass, Mitchell? I don't have to. I haven't had to do it much lately, but okay. I used to like it a lot. Okay. I like the smell of fresh cut grass. Right. It's one of the better moments of life. I have found things like shoveling snow where mm. there's a set task in front of me and then that task has been then completed and I get to see that task mm-hmm. done I get a lot of satisfaction of that so yesterday my grass was long I had a whole bunch of leaves in it and for 20 minutes after that before the leaves started falling off the trees again I had a green shortcut grass lawn again I so, know how that feels yes yeah, so you do Monday was, night I did yep. it and it just it feels good so, all right, you can also send us emails to hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. And no new emails, except for the spam, but we won't. You're right. I was gonna, that's why I put mailbag on there. So we did get the spam, yeah. which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, we always get spam there. We get a but, lot of spam, actually. It's yes. kind of weird for as small as we are. <laughs> But we did actually get something through the Facebook Messenger. 
I saw that you responded, so. Yes, it was from Zane Kith Miller, if I can get to it, maybe. Oh, there it is, switch account, all right. And Zane said, hey, have you guys thought about breaking the pod up into dedicated segments? I do like the interview stuff, but sometimes a whole hour is too much on one person if you're only talking about one topic with them. I think doing a few segments of 10 or 15 minutes a piece where you name the segment when you start and it's all you talk about from that time until you're spent and then you just cut yourself off after so much time. Anyways, just throwing out some stuff I hear from other shows. Hope you guys find your flow and keep making episodes. Congrats on 99. Well, thanks, Zane. We were taking that under whatever yeah we'll talk about it and well here's what i have to say to that we have segments <clears throat> we have lots of segments we don't very follow them very good but i get what he's saying but what zane wants is he wants us to quit rambling on yes that's fine i got some bad news for zane it ain't gonna happen it's not and i'm going to tell you why i for the most part why and mitchell this is why mitchell's here <laughs> so much of the, the social media content that i make is made in super concise bite-sized pieces and it's made on that purpose like if i make an instagram story it's either 15 seconds or you know whatever if i make something for you know i try to keep my youtube videos under 10 minutes like i'm always dealing with time limits and like worrying about just fitting everything this is the one thing in my life that i don't care other than outside of editing the sews and the all rights from you and me and if I guess if something like only hack along and everything like that, outside of cleaning that up, I let pretty much keep it all in there. Um, I didn't. I did edit out the one rant about I did something last week, the last pod because I was about. I looked back and I was like, that probably wasn't very nice to me. So there's just what was the point of that? And I was like, there's no point in me saying that. So I just reinked it yeah. out. But um, for the most part, yeah. So I mean, we could try to probably stay more on topic. That's probably a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. What's fun in that? But yeah, I mean, that's the genuine part of the podcast is to be able to, especially if someone like Mitchell decides that he, if he's rolling, if he's shooting and he's hot, I'm going to feed him the ball. I'm just going to keep feeding them to keep letting them shoot. And now there's something else I heard that um, they were talking about Mike Tirico and how he's probably the greatest um, reporter, at least sports reporter in the world, just because he listens really good and he talks so much. Being self-reflective, I do have a lot of ego sometimes, and sometimes I've looked I've looked back at this pod, and I've said to myself, I know sometimes I want to prove my point, and I talk a lot to try to prove my point. So I've worked hard on being aware of that and trying not to talk as much to prove my point. Yeah, being I mean, like I said, I, I'm self-aware enough to look at myself and evaluate that. At the same time, though. I am who I am, yeah. and it is my our pod. So, like, I don't necessarily feel like I have to. Ch- I mean, I'm going to change for the better part of you, the end listener listening right now. But I mean, we are who we are. So, I mean, you do you. You make well, up for me. So, well, I, I guess if we got like two billion followers or something, and then like there was something going on where we had to do that, <laughs> then I probably would. But right now, it's like thirty five, fifty, sometimes you know, a hundred people. I just don't care. 
There's nothing wrong with it. No. And I mean that in the nicest way. Like I said, there's so much of that I do that I have to do in a certain way. And this is one of the things where we just get let it be organic and let it be without. And that when Mitch Dillon talked earlier about wanting him to come on, he was like, I don't know if I have enough to fill. And then when we talked to him, like Sue Aller was a half hour episode. Yeah. You know, it was really short and mm-hmm. quick. And we've had ones with like Casey and Matt where they go almost two hours. So like, I'm fine with either way. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a short pod, and there's nothing wrong, I think, with having a long pod either. So, if somebody's got something to talk about, yeah, just let them talk. So. <clears throat> so, all right. After all that, we will move on to our hot take topics. And I guess my first one Prince William says that billionaires should focus on saving planet Earth and not traveling to space. 100% agree. I I look at Bezos and, you know, and what's his face with Tesla. I should know his name. Elon, Elon Musk. Musk, that's right. I do know his name. Um, like, just spending all of this unnecessary money in going to the new frontier, like, why are we focusing so much when obviously the people that are going to be sent to another planet to terraform the planet aren't going to be the rich people? You know, it's going to be the working class. It's going to be the individuals that are in. I don't mean this when I say this, but, you know, it's going to be it's their lives are almost worth losing, you know, yeah, because right. of it, yeah. you know, and yeah. It, it's annoying to see when money could kind of go back into the system, but collateral damage. It, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, they did it for the betterment of human society when we could do the betterment here and not lose those lives and not risk that type of thing. But I'm I, also. Yeah. <laughs> I saw something on. I got, you know how you watch a video and then they feed you a video? Yeah. And I saw the next video was by Soul Pancake. And I don't know if you know Soul Pancake, but that's the Kid President. Hmm. They produced Kid President. And Allison loved Kid President. And of course, Kid President really isn't around anymore because he's grown and living a life as he should. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I got excited because I thought maybe Kid President is back. And like, he's not Kid President anymore. He's, you know, 25 or whatever. And um, It wasn't, but it was a... Dwight from The Office, whatever his name is, I forgot his, the actor's name, he has a podcast. And it was his podcast, and he was interviewing one of the Koch brothers, I think? No, Sachs brothers. Some rich bank, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, he, and this person was talking about how if billionaires, if all the billionaires in the world will give 1% of their net worth, we could end everything that is bothering, like mm-hmm. homelessness, hunger and get educated and cover healthcare for everyone. And I have a hard time with that. I mean, I, I understand what he's saying. It's really weird. Like I get caught up in this and of course this is the, um, and I love that you're here. Cause mm-hmm. I know what the, I, I could tell already that you have a little different viewpoint. And I mm-hmm. love that. It's hard because the conservative in me believes that you should be able to do whatever you want with your own money. Yeah. I believe that at the same time though, when you have so much money, like what are you doing about that? <laughs> so it's tough because I believe that they have the right to do whatever they want with it. They made that money, probably not. They got it handed down to them, let's be honest, through generational wealth. 
most of them. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. so I hate saying that they earned it because they really didn't earn it. That's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like I should tell them. That I, I can't really tell them what to do. I can tell them what I think they should do. And I mean, I think I'm, I'm sure where you and I are on the same. All three of us are probably mm-hmm. on the same page. When you have that much money, where you could wipe your butt with hundred dollar bills, <laughs> at that point you should be doing something. And I agree, probably mm-hmm. putting William Shatner in a space. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we probably could have honestly fixed Benton Harbor's water problem that they're having right now with what we did for William Shatner this week. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't make any sense to me. What's up? I say probably. Yeah, probably. So like, I get all that, but I don't know what. I don't know how you fix it because like you have to appeal to the person's side that so many people necessarily, some people don't have, you know, and I don't know what that is because, but I don't, it's like I said, you can tell how conflicted I am because I don't feel like I, you should have to, but I want you to, it's like getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I should have to tell you, to get, I don't have the right to tell you to get vaccinated. I think you should. You know, I think yeah. it's pretty obvious why you should get vaccinated. But if you don't want to, I guess that's fine. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's your choice. It's, yeah. I don't like, I just, so it's weird and I just don't know. So that's my thing. I get it. There's ways to get the money, but raise taxes on the rich. But that's it is, what it is. There's so many tax loopholes that they can find and it's just. Well, I yeah. just had this discussion at work. And Mitchell's right out of, more recently out of college than Brian mm-hmm. and I are. So I don't mean to say like you're young or that you haven't. But when these, you know, because you, you went to a really good school, so you know what I'm about to say. If I own Chase Bank and there's a really brilliant kid that's just a whiz at numbers and just mm-hmm. like, you know, Rain Man. Yeah. He's not going to work for the government. Mm-mm. He's not. Chase Bank or Goldman Sachs or all these other banks, they're the ones recruiting him so they can figure out what to do to get around the code. Oh, I know. Right. So they're always ahead of the game. And until these cyber super brainiac geniuses go work for the people that figure out how to get out of the loopholes, it doesn't matter what we do. Because you could put a whole bunch more government regulation in. They're just going to find ways to get around it. I mean, so it's to me, it's just a complete waste of time raising these taxes in many ways. I just want some of the smart kids to come work for the, the, the government to get the money so they quit the loopholes, I guess. I don't I don't know. But is the government setting the loopholes? I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like Obamacare, right? I mean, Obamacare, when it was originally made, was a beautiful thing. And then you brought in the insurance companies because mm-hmm. they wanted to get to their scratch. And then the whole thing gets all gummed up. And then, of course, now everyone's mad. Like, well, Obamacare stinks, you know? Like, well, let me tell you something. It didn't stink until the, <laughs> the people that had wanted their money got involved. And now they don't know what the heck in a handbasket. But the people don't... I mean, again, I, I get frustrated because... Yeah. Anyways. There are ways. Like, like you were mentioning, though. Like, the idea of people who have their money in this. And, you know, we say, like, a president can't own a company that will benefit off of the branding of the presidency and stuff like that. And obviously we saw that happen in the last, you know, wherever we were, but yeah, we have forever. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, Barack doesn't put, I mean, let's use Barack. Him and Michelle don't put out books for the next five years and make all the millions of dollars and have a podcast through Spotify. So it's like, yes, yes. 
and but that's where i think the issue lies like we don't we don't allow that quote unquote but we allow for people to come in and donate billions of dollars and then say hey we're not going to give you this money unless you vote this way you know there's a lot of that type of like back and forth where i think if we could limit some of that stuff at the forefront but again it lends into the well freedom of speech where do we put money in you know, all of that kind of thing. There's a lot of conflicting views going back and forth with that. That's, I don't know. I just feel, <laughs> intra I feel very strongly about, but I also I, know no, a lot I, of people that I, I want, and you feel free to share mm -hmm. that here. I promise this is the safest <laughs> political type. First of all, you should know that Brad hates talking politics a lot. <laughs> so we don't do it very often. You, secondly, you should know that I have a family member that works in the dark side of politics. So, like, I'm not necessarily happy about that either. Like, mm -hmm. I, I know the other side and what you're talking about. Yep. Nothing ooh, it just makes me very upset, too. Yeah. So, like, I, I understand. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. One million percent. <laughs> and I wish there was ways to fix it. And then that's, you know, Brad and I have had this discussion plenty of times on the pod. And so many times over a beer or just texting when we're having tough days at work. Um Sometimes I get mad because I'm a firm believer of it's easy to point fingers and talk, mm -hmm. you know, you, and that's what I can't wait to talk about some of the things you got going on here mm -hmm. to roll up your sleeves and actually get in the arena and do, put the work in. And I find myself being hypocritical a couple of times because I sit there and say, well, you know, maybe you should make a change. Maybe you should do. And then someone goes, well, have you ever thought about running for city council? And I go, no way. And I'm like, I, you know, that's conflicting to me because, like I said, I know I, in many ways I probably should, you know. I, you know, I, but at the same time, like I don't know if I want to do that crap, man. Mm -hmm. They're just being honest, and everything goes on. But I understand that there's a there's a fine line there. And one of the biggest things, though, is like where where can you make the biggest change? For you, it might not be city council. For you, it might be this podcast. You know. And that's where a lot of this type of stuff, and I, I know you have other avenues in which you make change. You, yeah. you know, do a lot of different things in the community. Um, but, you know, it's just where can you make that change and where do you have those conversations? And sometimes just meeting face to face, because like you said, you know, some of these t topics can be divisive can be like viewed as like oh one side versus the other where really if we just talk about the humanity of it if we really just sit down and talk like hey like this is where i'm coming from if this is where i see the money going talk to me about why you know it's happening that way and we can have a conversation you know whereas a lot of people will put that wall up and go no rich people need to do this versus well, let's have the conversation. Like you were saying, there's a confliction here. Like they do have it. We can't tell them what to do, but we can appeal to humanity. We can try to talk to them. So. Mm -hmm. And this is how we get in the weeds. We, you literally did one hot take topic about going <laughs> in space. And we've talked about 10 minutes about, you know, everything that goes along with that. So. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. That's what it is. All right. Did you think now? Do you understand why I said you won't have any problem talking with you? <laughs> yes. You're gonna, you're, I'm done. you're gonna be just fine here tonight. I wasn't worried about you one bit. <laughs> all right, there's another. All right. Um, speaking of the vaccine, NBA players are not. Some NBA players are not getting the vaccine and won't be able to play in some places. 
You might as well say who it is. It's Kyrie Irving, mainly. And Bradley Beal. They're saying it's going to cost them a hundred, almost a hundred million dollars. Him not getting vaccinated. It's ridiculous. How do you feel about that, Mitchell? Did you get vaccinated for a hundred million dollars? Oh, I got vaccinated when I didn't get anything out of it. I was one of the first ones to jump in line. I was like, "Please stick me, please." This is amazing. Uh, it's a mess. That is a bona fide mess right there. I'll take that hundred million dollars, though. Yeah, I know. I would too. <laughs> Spread the wealth, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know either. I guess he came out and said why he's not getting the vaccine. Fine. Yeah, I guess he went on Instagram Live and said it. I didn't. Which I'm fascinated by athletes having social media platforms where they don't need to go through the press. I should mean say athletes. Anyone. Celebrities. You mm-hmm. mean us here right now where we don't have to like... Go to the press, let them filter through, take what we want to say and pick it apart and then put it out there. Mm-hmm. They can come out and say exactly what they want or shape the message more. It just kind of fascinates me. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you do. do. I guess we'll see how well he saved his money. Well, he's so like Kyrie Irving is not the normal NBA player, right? Like his. And I'm, I'm going to sound terrible, but his mom was a teacher and his dad was like a, a postmaster. He, when he went to Duke, he went to a private school, not because he was good at basketball. He went to private school because his parents could afford to put, put him in a private school. He just happened to be great at basketball. He didn't need to go to Duke, but he went because he could, could do because he had the grades and the money. He's not. He was never poor when he started. So when he has all this money and his parents are smart, they've invested it all. That's why he's like, I don't care. I have enough money for generations of my family. So I don't know how you... Sure, the average person is like, oh, well, that's $100 million. And to us, that's like, you know. But to him, he's just like, I mean, we just had this, this... How much more billions do you need to have? And he's kind of like, in that, like, how much more do I really need? And then, like, it's just... I don't know. Like, someone like him, I don't know how you... Get him to do what you want because he is just so self-sufficient and it's wild. It's fascinating me. I'm just intrigued by the whole thing. Almost as intrigued by the John Gruden thing, which I hope you're going to talk about. I thought about that one. Talk about next. but Good. I just want to rant one time. Let me get out of the way, and then I'll be fine. Are you done with this one? I'm, I, I, I just, I don't have the answer, and the answer is so much bigger. Does. And the answer, well, I mean, it's coming to the point where, like, this is coming down the pipe for us too, and you know, like, teachers or students, we're seeing that in our schools mm-hmm. right now, and I, it's tough when you mandate something that maybe people aren't comfortable with. Let's let's all agree. There's a lot of information, misinformation out there. And I, you know, to sit there and say what the way that it's been handled over the past two years, it's hard to say what's right, what's not right. I mean, I kind of have a good idea of what's right, but <laughs> I can understand, like, you know, so I just, I try to be open minded and understand where people come from. Um, even if I think they're batshit crazy, but man, one of the, Best point guards in the NBA is not going to play this year because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. And he may never play again because no NBA team is going to want to take him. No. no. 
and it's wild to me that he's just willing to just be like, hey, you know. I mean, good for him for sticking his ground. What like he said, I don't know if it's smart, but I don't know. <laughs> Guess we'll find out. But good for him. And I guess give it to me. We can talk about John Gruden. Let's let it go. Do you know anything about this, Mitchell? No idea. Okay. So there's an NFL coach mm-hmm. where we used to be an NFL coach this week. He got fired because in 2010 and 11, he sent a whole bunch of emails with a whole bunch of derogatory comments that pretty much touched every demographic on the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. 100% should be fired, first of all. I'm fine with that. But the cause, the root causes of this email, or how they found these emails, is because the owner of the Washington Redskins made their cheerleaders pose nude. And then he sent the photos to his cronies. But somehow, I don't understand what's going on here. Because oh, I know what's going on. There's billionaires involved in that, in that email chain that don't want their names getting out. And they keep sending everything out they can but what's going on. You know, but what's really going on. I just, oh, I'm so mad by it. I don't understand how somebody had something, nothing to do with what is being investigated. Don't be wrong. Like I said, he's wrong. He shouldn't be coaching yeah. anymore. That's he right. He should be let out. So. Yeah. But he had nothing to do with what they're investigating. And yet here he is. He's fired. He has, for lack of a better term, he's been, justice has been served for what he is, what he's done wrong. But meanwhile, the scumbag that did this to these girls mm-hmm. has nothing being done to him whatsoever. I'm frustrated. It's obvious. Even in your voice, we can see. But... I'm, I'm, I got it out. I feel better now. I just need, need to get it out. That's all. Right. I hate how what's going on here. Because I, I even said the fact that wouldn't it surprise me if the 10 billionaires in that email chain said, hey, Gruden, you're going to have to take one for the team. You be the you be the meat shield. Or we're all going to give you money. And you can go live your life as the richest man on the planet. And all you'll have to be, you know, when people see you, they'll just think that you said a whole bunch of insensitive things. But in 10 years, we'll probably all forget about it. And you own an island now. So, like, <laughs> it just pisses me off. Because I, I know what's going on behind the scenes here. At least I believe what's going on behind the scenes. And it's just, I hate that shit. That's all. Well, yeah. I get it. Cover-ups are never good. And that's probably what's going on. It's like freaking the Simone Biles crap. Like, for real. You need to parade her out there and make her tell the story 17 freaking times to every... Mm-hmm. Like, we obviously know... It's wrong. It's bad. Like, just do it. Like, you don't need to panic her to like put her in front of Congress and then in front of the Congress and we're going to the Senate and then from the Senate we're going to make it in the Supreme Court. We're done. Like, mm-hmm. I just get so frustrated with this shit. That's all. I'm sorry. Because well, they're doing it to everyone. Yeah. All of them. You know. Nobody wants to relive that shit. So. All right. Anything you got, Mitchell? Probably just, a lot. Huh? <laughs> I just, it, you know, it's no wonder why people don't want to come forward. You know, a lot of people will ask, like, well, why didn't you come forward sooner? And then this is what they see. You know, they see people being put through the ringer. They see people going through the gauntlet of everything. And it's like... Well, like Gabby Paterno. Yeah. You're like, oh, she's mentally unstable. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know it's... You have to question all the things that it could be before the thing actually what it really is. Yeah. 
And, it's, and I mean, you see it all the time with universities too, of just like, they keep it down, keep it down, keep it down. And then all of a sudden one person will speak up and then they get taken through the ringer before the university does anything about it. It's annoying. Like it happened at MSU. I'm sure I'm surprised they haven't heard anything about it at U of M, you know? Well, I, I mean, it, it happens at every mm -hmm. campus, most likely. I don't want to say either that, you know, I hate to say it, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> For Zane's sake, I'll stop now. Everyone knows that how I feel about like this. So. All right. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, I think that's really all I got. When I looked at what's going on on Twitter, they're talking about mostly Gruden. And then, yeah, so... Anything else is just garbage. So, anything hot take wise you want to talk about, Mitchell? No, I. I mean, I think it's been pretty stagnant on my end of like news wise. I've been trying to stay away yeah, as I mean, much you, as possible. You, so, you were a walking news source. For the <laughs> yeah, news. Like, exactly. They probably should have put you on the payroll for a little while. I yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of me in the news lately, so I just stopped paying attention to it. Quotes and stuff that I just. Tried to. We have a friend in Griffin James mm -hmm. who belongs on the DDA. He's on the DDA. Mm -hmm. And he feels exactly that way. He doesn't like to talk because every time there's 10, 15 people in that room, mm -hmm. but every time he say some, says something, guarantees it's on the news or in the opinion. And he's frustrated by that because, you know, a lot of times the thing he said is echoed by the other people in that room. Mm -hmm. And yet he becomes the you know the face of that yeah and um sometimes it's all right like if we're talking about parking mm -hmm. but in your situation it's something much more heavier much more serious and uh i mean first of all i mean i guess before we get into it i mean tip of the hat to you thank you for, i mean wow so, thank you it, i have so much to say on it and think about it but i just can't even begin to tell you what i, I didn't think it's the, the world of you for even doing that so um yeah I, I, I greatly appreciate that. It's a, uh, you know, it's, I do it for the students. I do it for my, you know, my family, my friends here. You know, a lot of people will look at me and go, you know, why did you come back if you think so negatively of Alpina? And I'm like, it's not that I think so negatively of Alpina. It's that I love this community and I want it to grow. The potential. I want it to help. The potential is here and it's an amazing community. And... And we don't, I try really hard not to say but to negate a lot of these things, but all of that and we are lacking in some parts. There's a lot of places that I know we can grow and be better for our students. And, you know, so part of me is like, yeah, put me in the news because I'm happy to get the name out there. But also I can't always be 100% on. <laughs> yeah. And so. I, I couldn't agree more on that and i guess for the people that don't know they're like i don't know what these people are talking about in these weird cryptic mm -hmm. things we'll get to that here in a little bit i think and, and we can do it in a way where we can fill in some spots without like naming people and we could talk in broad strokes i think i think we can yep. do that so yeah all right so we will take a break or anything anything else no nope. do we have any other segments no no I kind of did it indirect, getting it off my chest here. You did. So I kind of like that. Oh, really? I got one more small hot take. 
Brad just ruined my Peloton. Oh, yeah, I did. I, what did you think? I liked it a lot. This is a true hot take. <clears throat> About an hour and a half ago, you just were sweating your butt off in my office. How do you feel? I, I really don't like riding a bike, but that I really enjoyed. Well, let me ask you this. As a person that, I mean, it's not a surprise that you're a runner. You've had some injury things that are stopping you from running at times. Yes. Did you feel like the bike would be less on those things? Like, I, no. I know you enjoy cardio. You enjoy high-intensity cardio. Do you feel like the car- that bike would satisfy that itch for you and keep you healthier? It, maybe. I could feel the knee pain coming okay. in. I, I was, I mean, if I would have had my sleeve on, I might not have felt right. it as much. I just wonder. I'm, I'm curious. I was hoping that that would be it because um, – Michelle's dad's an avid biker, mm-hmm. so I don't know if you know that or not, but um, I was wondering, because I know you've had a, you just a, a tough two years. I, mean, I think it would do me good in the winter when I can't get out mm-hmm. and run, but I liked it a lot, so I'm thinking about buying one. When, I cheated. When I rode, when I, when Brad, Brad loves R&B music mm-hmm. from the Jackson 5 all the way up to well, no one. They're sort of like good now in R&B. Mm. The weekend? Maybe? I don't know. There's people out there. Caleb? Leon Bridges, probably. Okay. I mean, anyways. There's just not as many as there was like no. in the late 90s. The heyday is past this, but... Yeah. So, but I knew when it started with Warren Hill. I knew you were like... I was like, okay. I mean, I was singing the whole time. I know you were. <laughs> and then it went 112. I was like, okay... Then I went to Tyrese, and it finished with Key Sweat. I was like, this... I mean, they had Genuine in yeah, there. Yeah, Brad's not ready 20, for this. 20, 20. I was like, the, I mean, I feel almost like I played Dirty Tennis, because not every ride is like that. Oh, that's funny. But... I would redo that every time. So. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. All right. Well, we will end the segment, come back, and we will talk with Mitch and fill in this gray area for you. So how this works is, I always, my tongue-in-cheek phrases is, I'm the DJ, you're the rapper. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm just going to feed you whatever you want to do. It's your, this is whatever you want. So this first part, Mitchell, mm-hmm. why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Like, where you're from, where you went to school. Let's start there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my name is Mitchell. I think we've established that. Uh I use he and his pronouns, a little bit about that piece. Um, you know, as an advocate here in the town, I try to also educate and bring in pieces of uh, conversations that open the mind of, um, open minds and promote inclusivity and conversation around, um, you know, just varying identities. And so being able to present my, uh, my pronouns in conversations like this is really important to me just because I know a lot of, uh, trans and non-binary individuals that me as a cis person doing it can help and empower them to be safe, comfortable in their own space, to be able to do it there too. Um, outside of that, uh, I grew up here in Alpena, uh, graduated from Alpena High in 2015, and then went to U of M. Um, quite, 
I didn't want to at first. <laughs> um, I wanted to go to state, which is, I know, a hot take in of itself. Um, and so I backed down because of a course that a teacher actually presented, which was um, it, at one of the like panels that I went and visited with my parents and stuff during the college visits and tours. And it was just an English course that was cross-listed with linguistics and her biggest thing was slang. So English slang, how language evolves and how we kind of grow into it. And I fell in love with that class before really even knowing what linguistics was, before um, really knowing that that was the field that I wanted to go into. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I started out in pre-med, jumped ship from that after general chemistry. That was not for me. Um, and then it took a linguistics class because of that and got into this idea of language empowerment. And so what language empowerment is, is how we can tell stories to uh, open up spaces to be inclusive and safe and how we can tell our own story and how we can uh, use art in a way that then uplifts other members of minority communities. And I went through with that and I graduated with uh, my ma uh, master's, my bachelor's. I'd like to go and get my master's. Uh, my bachelor's in linguistics and then a minor in creative writing. And so that's how I kind of created a catch-all for everything that I was interested in, the art side, the writing side, and then also this idea of language and society and culture. Um, and so I graduated in 2019 from U of M and was teaching arts advocacy programming down there through a puppetry studio at the university, which was a lot of fun, and then also through a theater program at Community High School um, at their community ensemble theater, which was a lot of fun, opened my eyes, both mediums of art that I had never partook in before, and all of a sudden I'll, I was teaching people how to do them. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> um, but it was really cool meeting all of my students and stuff, and at particularly at CET, I engaged with students that were amazing. Some of the best people that I've ever met. Um, and all of them, the vast majority of them that were on my crew as tech director were queer or trans or somewhere within the minority spectrum of the world. And every single one of them taught me so much beyond what you know, I could probably say for my entire university career, like just so much about the world, so much about everything. And when COVID hit, uh, you know, arts are often the first programs to get hit and go away when things like that happen. And so um, the theater had to close down and so did um, the studio for um, at the university. And so I was kind of left I was working three jobs and then all of a sudden none and trying to pay rent in the Ann Arbor area with no income is not easy. Ann Arbor is cheap. <laughs> oh yeah. So cheap. So cheap. <laughs> um, and so I moved back up here and I started seeing a gap of like where Ann Arbor has the ability and has at least resources for kids to go to if they want something other than sports, if they want something other than um, you know, National Honor Society, if they want something other than, you know, working after school, we don't really have any of that. We don't really have any 
after school programming or identity based um, education or anything where we could help enrich students and maybe try to keep them here as well. Um, it, you're right. It's tough. If you don't play sports mm -hmm. in Alpena, you, you really, it's tough. That's yeah. all I'm trying to say. And I mean, it's almost, I mean, and I was presented the same thing when I graduated, before I graduated too, sports or work, you know, um, I was, ha I was lucky to be a band nerd as well. So, um, you know, I had that aspect of art in my life. Um, but, I never really felt comfortable in maskers, the theater group and stuff, and not because they weren't welcoming or, you know, comforting in their own way. I just wasn't a theater kid, you know? Yeah. Um, and those types of programs just weren't here and weren't found really funded well to be a foundation. So I started teaching classes through Empowered Learners to... Uh, talk about identity through literature, try to engage with people. And then I also founded a poetry organization called the Poetics Lab. Um, and I co-found that with another individual from the University of Michigan. We held a workshop this, this past summer and got a chapbook published for our, um, our participants. And the entire program is free. And so a lot of, a lot of People will tell you like publication can be an expensive process. Anything to do with poetry can be expensive and you don't make money writing poetry. Mm. Um, and so being able to provide that to first time poets for free was a really amazing experience in of itself. And then just the conversations that we had, all of our classes framed around identity and diversity and how to talk about ourselves and how to perform our truest self. And so... Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at today. I've done a lot of advocacy work. Um, I've been trying to work at the schools and work with them, not against them, where I know a lot of people now are working against the schools, especially against the mask mandate and against a lot of policies that are meant to be safe for trans and queer youth and all of these different um, pieces where there's a huge, uh, I don't want to say a huge, a medium's part of the community that is against the schools. And I've been trying to be at the Board of Education meetings speaking uh, like on behalf of the students, but also like in support of the policies that they have. And be like, hey, like they're doing their best, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I think that that's where a lot of these news stories get a hold of what I'm talking about and they frame it in me versus them. And it's not that I'm against anybody. It's more so that I'm there supporting the students that need to be supported. And yeah, I'll name that people are using dangerous rhetoric and using dangerous misinformation and stuff, but I'm also not pointing fingers. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So we'll go into a little more detail without any too much more detail, Brad, to fill in. Have you figured out at all what's going on yet? Or kind of, maybe a little bit. All right, so um, in the beginning of... This so during the summer, um, there was a movement. Mm -hmm. Actually, it started well before the summer, right? Yeah. It started probably over two years, but I think it started well before COVID. It's just COVID just became what everyone focused on, right? And then, then yeah. it just things just kind of got pushed back because you know obviously COVID yeah. was a big deal. So um, there has been a movement within our community which led to the schools to maybe perhaps 
insert some language into school policies to protect. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if protect is the word I want, but to maybe empower mm-hmm. you know, just other different parts of kids that go that attend our public schools. Mm-hmm. Whether that's a minority like me, who, which we've already talked about on this pod, was an absolute horrific experience at Alpena High. Because as Mitchell will tell you, if it was bad in 2015, I didn't want to tell you what it was like <laughs> when I went to school, high school to your mom. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, um, it just wasn't a good thing. But at the same time, like, I think we reached a point, a lot of people in our community were like, well, you're right, that isn't a good thing. We should try to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is maybe put something in writing and say, hey, you know what, this is wrong. Let's try to make it right. And somehow that, I still can't figure out, it's been met with a resistance. Huge resistance. Huge resistance. So, I use so a lot. You use I write a lot. But anyways, what's been interesting to me is there's always a spin, as Mitchell just talked mm-hmm. about. And this spin that somehow got put on this was very much like sometimes people would work religion in there. Mm-hmm. Which didn't make any sense to me because the people that talk about religion in schools or want to use religion in schools, so we're going to use this as an excuse, mm-hmm. we'll say, which tends to be conservative, will also tell you that they believe in the separation of church and state strongly. Mm-hmm. So I, anyways, I'm going to, I just don't understand things sounds like sometimes, but anyways, um, so Mitchell became, for lack of a better term, a face. Because mm-hmm. he would speak, and he knew that there were kids at the school that felt very strongly about this. And he wanted to give them a voice. Because not every 14, 16, 18-year-old kid wants to stand yeah. up in front of 20 people, which started at 20 people, in the school board, and then talk about themselves in mm-hmm. a way that maybe they're not comfortable yet talking about. Mm-hmm. And then what became 20 somehow became 50 to 100 to Mm -hmm. even more. And then, which we will get to here in a little bit, all of a sudden this small minority became really vocal. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, while this was going on, the school started, this was going on, we started real, they started relaunching this movement during the time when school was starting to reopen. So obviously the other big issue that was going on with school was the mask mandate. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do, how we're going to move forward, what's safe for students, what's safe for teachers, blah, blah, blah. So what you had is this whole crazy movement of wanting to protect and empower marginalized people within the school, mm-hmm. but yet people in the wanting not to wear masks and then it's just this whole it became this whole mess like this was this whole mess so Mitchell would spend some time at the school reading and voicing his opinion mm-hmm. and yet people were like I would say there were some people there that were against you fair to say yeah but I would but so many people were there just about the mask like they were just really upset about masks and what I still don't understand, like how what became is like, it's sort of like your what you were advocating for kind of got dragged into the what something that 
I mean, we were dealing well, with two separate issues for so yeah. much of the time, and it became all of a sudden it became this one clumped thing. And that's and that's what I've recognized too is where I wasn't talking about mask mandates. <laughs> I wasn't talking about any of that, right? Like uh, the vast majority of the stuff that I was talking about was when. It, the parents or the adults in the community would get up and then voice these dangerous pieces of rhetoric, which um, they would akin young queer and trans individuals to sexual predators. They would say like, these people are dangerous. They're confused. One parent was um, advocating for conversion therapy, which has been proven again and again by um, psychologists and sociologists and doctors and everything that it doesn't work. Um, and so uh, these people were advocating for that. And I'm like, why isn't anyone getting up and talking against that? And yeah, it was interspersed with this masking and all of that. Um, but the real, like the reason I got up there was because I couldn't let, you know, the reality of the situation be like, oh, we're going to cover it up with this mask talk and then really say these dangerous things. And so I got up there and, was like, hey, this this shouldn't be said in this space. This is an education educational space. This is why we're here, like protecting our students. And I, there were a lot of people that didn't like that particular statement. Um, I have been misquoted a few times in um, some letters to uh, religious groups in town, also letters to... Um, you know, the school board itself and to the letters to the editor and things like that, where representations of what I was talking about, I never, again, never said anyone can't say anything. That never left my mouth. Um, what I did say was, hey, we should be aware of the dangers of this rhetoric. And we should be aware that, you know, LGBTQ kids face, like, mental health and depression and stuff like that from rejection of communities at a much higher rate than their cis and straight um, like counterparts. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, maybe we should just not call queer kids sexual predators. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't. Like start there. Yeah, like start there. Blanket statement, sexual predators are sexual predators. It has nothing to do with sexuality. And let's not lump people together just because someone wants to pee. It's, you know? It kind of goes back to my terrorism thing. Yeah. If somebody's a wingnut, it's not going to matter whether they're on the left or the right side. They're a freaking wingnut, period. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, it just stresses me out. Like, and I don't know if you were bored, like aware of some of the stuff that went on in these school board meetings, but like. I know for a fact that one time Mitchell got done to speaking and they started chanting you guys say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, hey. you, uh, hey, you, uh, and for the life of me. <laughs> for the life of me. I still don't know what's going on. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, I know what's, I, again, I know what's going on. Like, I, I know how they've connected the dots. It's kind of like when I watch my kids do a math problem. Mm -hmm. And, like, when they were going to go, two times three is five. Like, okay, I know how you got there. Like, I know why you think two times three is five. But that's not right. Mm -mm. <clears throat> like, so, I just, man. It's, it's been intense. Um, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of places are getting intense. And I, I've been 
Yeah, there's been a lot of things going on. So, so that's kind of what. Yeah, yeah. And I still can't. I I, I can't. I tip my hat for you because you didn't. I'm sure there was moments where you probably personally and private wavered. Like, what am I doing? I'm just gonna go to Ann Arbor and. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what am I doing right now? But um, you know, on for whatever you what you put out was mm-hmm. a very brave and st- steadfast message of like, well, this is, you know, and for the people that actually listened to you, as you mm-hmm. just said now, you kept your message consistent. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, things got in the weeds. People would write letters to the other and misquote both mm-hmm. sides. Yeah, you know, of be, course. Be yeah. Honest, you know, and um, some of the things that were often said are just like, just so batshit crazy to me, but whatever. I mean, I... Like I said, we're not, I'm, I'm personally trying not to get too political with you because I know you don't want to know this. So, but I just go Well, I'm just you know, it's just it's what not like I'm speaking up or anything. No, no, I just. Well, on this too, like the fact that people have made these conversations political, where I haven't even mentioned a, a right or left. Like, if I wanted, like, yeah, the people on the right have said these things, but also the people on the left have thought that they were doing well. And then called me a spokesperson for the LGBTQIA plus community. I'm not a spokesperson. <laughs> I am Mitchell Dubzinski here saying what, you know, what I know to be true and trying to defend the students to the best that I can. But I'm not a spokesperson. I don't know everything, yeah. you know. And so there's harm being done coming from both sides, quote unquote. And it's just conversations of like, hey, how do we get back to talking about the humanity of this? How do we talk about the harm that's being done to these students when they're being called these names, told that they're not valid, that they're not, that they, that these individuals know better than what these students know about themselves, Yeah, you know? And so, um, yeah. It's, yeah, I'm in. it's been hard for me to watch a lot of the people I grew up with who I had a certain, who treated me in a certain way, much of mm-hmm. what you're advocating for, like, mm-hmm. or, or to try and stop, um, take the stance of like against you. Mm-hmm. And, and it can't help but relive high school all over again much yeah. for me. Like, just like, well, of course you're thinking that because you just were not a very nice person, mm-hmm. you know? And I think sometimes, you know, it's just wild to me. And with all, like I said, I don't want to get too into it and too in the weeds on my own personal experience. But it's just, um, it's a crazy time. That's for certain. And a lot of this is, like like you said, the reoccurring. Like it's a reoccurring, for lack of a better word, trauma that is occurring in when stuff like this surfaces it is that like people recognize like, oh, I thought we were past this or, oh, I repressed this. We never got out of it, but I was repressing it real well, yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, that's I've said that before. So mm-hmm. much of what I had dealt with, I just have swept under and I'm really good at compartmentalizing things. It's just something I've learned to do and I don't talk about it much because I don't deal with it much. Mm-hmm. But I have said before, and I said again, and when we do, we get political. There's been a fundamental change. Mm-hmm. within our community over the past six years you know like for whatever you want to say I, I tell this is the story i tell i grew up here and for the longest time i was called a whole bunch of derogatory names whatever that's fine 
It's just what it is. You're, mm-hmm. I mean, that happens anywhere. I, I'm well aware yeah. this isn't just an LPN. <laughs> but for the most part, it went away. Mm-hmm. And people were like, that's Steve. And it, I became all right with it. But about four years, about four to six years ago, it all started all over again. I'm walking down State Street and people are yelling the same. It literally felt like I was back in high school. And I don't understand mm-hmm. like how it became okay again to roll down your window and just spite, you know, spurt off a, you know, just a racist term at me. Like, and I don't understand the, first of all, I don't understand the point of it. Mm-hmm. But second of all, I don't know how we changed in society. Now, I know that there's some people that believe Asians perpetuated the coronavirus, which whatever you want to do, that's fine. But I promise you, as, as you, Brad is laughing, I've spent my entire two years pretty much in Alpena. Like, I never went to... I've been in Korea since 1975. So, like, I mean, it just baffles me. Like, that, you know, like... Yeah, I just... I just shake my head. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, enough of that. So, what I want to talk about is let's talk about... Let's take a break, but we're going to come back and talk about what's in front of you. Yeah, of course. So I think that's going to be more of a... Yeah. And then we'll just gonna... Get into the positive of it. Yeah. You know, so... all the good things that are going to be happening. So... All right. So I think we've touched base on, yeah, just everything that you've been doing in the background. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mitchell, so let's talk about the energy that you have had, what you've put into the community in a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we already talked about, why don't you talk more about what the Poetics Lab is? Of course. Yeah. So the Poetics Lab is a poetry, uh, poetry organization that we started up, um, like I said, just, oh goodness, in January. Um, so it's been running for a little while and we've been hosting, uh, workshops and open mics, the vast majority of which, um, have been our workshop, uh, series over the summer. And then just, we've had we're running up to our fourth open mic, I do believe, um, in, in, on the 28th. So October 28th, we're going to, I have the flyer in front of me. I don't know why I'm not looking at all Good. of that for that information. Um, and so, uh, yeah, October 28th from 6 to 8 PM, uh, we work with the art in the loft a lot to host the spaces. Um, and so it's a really cool, like we get to write, you know, write and be creative around art and be around that space, which is always very helpful. Um, But what our main tenets are, we have three of them, they're identity, identity, poetry, and performance of the self. And so identity, um, you know, I've thrown that buzzword around a lot, but in the definition that we have of it for the Poetics Lab, we talk about more than what I call just the big three. So we talk more about Um, talk more about the entire human experience, the entire human, the entire individual, other than just, uh, you know, sexuality, gender, and race. And so, you know, oftentimes we'll we'll talk about identity and we'll have this really deep conversation and then for a writing prompt we'll go, okay, so tell us what your favorite cereal is, but be poetic about it. Talk about that. And, um, you know, our participants just run with it and have a really good time surrounding those. But what we do is we, Dominique and I don't believe that we are like the end all be all with poetry. Uh, She's just finishing her MFA. I only have like 
a minor degree in it. Um, and so, you know, we talk about it from just like the basic bare roots, and then we bring in um, the expertise of established poets. So we will show uh, um, the concepts that we want. Like if we want to talk about alliteration, we actually pull from... Uh, I forget Eminem. his first name, but Baker. No, not Eminem. <laughs> We've thought about doing rap. Um, but uh, oh, I'm getting there, Mitchell. <laughs> I'm headed there. You just got to give me a minute. So, um, You know, we pull uh, his piece called uh, Paper People. And it's it, every word starts with a P. And it's amazing what he does. And we just talk about that. But in his poem, it also talks about socioeconomic status and... Um, you know, what the complications of that and what social classes can do within a society. And so we talk about all of these different things like that have to do with identity through the fun of like, oh yeah, let's write a poem with a bunch of P's in it, you know, like um, doing things like that. And it really helps kind of bridge that gap where people can have that conversation. And art is such a good way to serve as like a medium of advocacy conversations. And you know, um, so Dominique and I have a really like firm belief in that. And so, like I said, we are hosting another open mic, but we're partnering with Hope Shores Alliance this month. And so it's Domestic Violence and Awareness Month. Um, and so we are having uh, an open mic called the Perseverance Mon Monologues with the themes of survivorship, perseverance, and strength. And so people can sign up. Uh, they can actually email me because I don't I, I don't want to try to give off the URL for <laughs> the sign up page. But if you want to email me at m i t c h e l d i p z i n s k i at gmail dot com, and I can send you the link for this. And you don't have to be a domestic violence survivor to um, read. At this, we don't ask you to reveal whether or not you're a survivor. We just ask that your piece has to do with somewhere around the theme of survivorship, perseverance, and strength. Um, and so those can be poems, music, or uh, recitations of your story. So we're focusing a lot on storytelling this month. Um, and so that's kind of where we've landed and where we've come. Um, but really, Dominique and I just love having fun with poetry and we just kind of fell into doing this organization and it exploded people here have loved every second of it we've had great turnouts at all of our open mics and our workshop was a huge success and so we're looking forward to hosting another workshop series in the summer hopefully expanding the age group from not just adults but to also like high school students and then also having an adult class as well that's amazing so I don't know what to talk for. I'm going to, we'll deal with what you just said soonest while we're backwards. I think the trauma piece in that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, I just, there's so many people that have private battles. Yep. And I, we know that art is a way that so many people deal with that. Mm -hmm. And um, wow, I just, that, I think that's just a really great opportunity for people you know, I think for the person that maybe just wants to come and sit, right? Yeah. And um, just listen and know that maybe they're not alone. I think we're seeing that in different support groups that have been created mm -hmm. in our community lately. I just like seeing that stuff because I think to know that you're supported and not alone, I think goes mm -hmm. a long ways in some of this stuff. And yeah, and one of the things that we are also doing it 
for those who, you know, with COVID still happening and with this being such a sensitive issue too, some people may not comfortable being in that space, but they still want to participate and watch. So we um, host a virtual setting as well. Um, so Art in the Loft has all of the necessary materials for us to create it into a virtual hybrid space. Um, and so for this one, we aren't going to do a Facebook Live because that records and then keeps the recording for it. But what we will do is do a uh, Zoom channel for everyone who wants to be in what we'll do is we'll bring you in. We'll just have everyone else on silent, like host it like a seminar and just have like the main individuals like who are reading. So you can sit there and watch and bring your kids into it and have those conversations as a family. And, you know, like Dominique and I don't want poetry to be this extravagant, you know, thing that only is accessible to dead old white people. Like, you know, democratize it for yeah, the better term. exactly. We want, yeah. To make it something that, like, the common man, quote-unquote, can utilize and be a part of. And so um, all of those opportunities are available as well. So we can share the stories and share the experiences and kind of create a space where we're hearing each other, you know. So I'm going to use Brad. Mm -hmm. Brad loves poetry. In fact, I don't know many people that love poetry more than Brad. He, but he loves it in the hip-hop form. <laughs> right is the one yep. of the biggest hip hop heads that I know of period mm -hmm. just loves it and so what I'm wondering is and it's not just Brad but so if I'm a person that likes poetry which I do and I know like Brad does but I maybe don't have confidence to write mm -hmm. are your um, labs or seminars do you help with that? Are we allowed to bring a piece that maybe we think is cool and then read that? I guess walk me through. So if the person, not that Brad is on the fence, but let's just say there is a person in the community who sees it and is like, oh, I kind of like that, but I'm just unsure. Yeah. Why don't you tell me like what all is available to the person that maybe doesn't want to write, but mm -hmm. what option does he have? Or maybe the person that wants to write but doesn't know where to start. Yeah. So our open mics are open to the public. So anybody who might be interested in poetry for the first time or want just, wants to just see what it might be about can stop by the Art in the Loft from anywhere within that time frame of 6 to 8 p.m. Um, that we host most of our open mics in. And they can you know, sit there as a silent observer. They can, you know, Dominique and I at the beginning of every open mic uh, invite people to react to poetry too. Like poetry isn't, at least the way we view it, not meant to be a silent observation. Like we should be giving our feedback back to the, um, to the author, to the reader. And so we invite anybody and everybody to show up, uh, enjoy, you know, the art and again, just, share the stories and you know sharing your story doesn't have to include being up in front of the group but just being in a space is enough sometimes mm -hmm. and um for those who are on the fence about writing um all of our workshops start from ground zero uh you know dominique and i have been uh, running similar-esque workshops um it, you know, we try not to say teaching poetry, but we've been teaching poetry for the last three or four years now. And we've had people who have never written a poem in their life. And we've had people come in that 
have publications under their belt and have an entire book and awards and stuff like that. And we've always start from ground zero and go, Hey, you know, the first question, because I'm a language nerd is always, what is language? How do we communicate? And then we start breaking it down and then adding in those pieces of, okay, alliteration is this, this is what this means. Um, and the way that we view it is that just like Dominique and I aren't the end all be all, nobody is. And so how we have the conversation and in that room, everyone is an equal. Um, and so, like I said, our workshop this past summer was filled with full first time poets, people who have either like, I, I jokingly call them closeted poets, like they, they wrote but never shared it with anybody or people that had never written but maybe read poetry and were like, oh, let's check into that. And every single one of them has a piece in the book. And so it is something that, you know, we just work on. And um, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's just so much more that if you just come in and try it out, you'll see. I so bad don't have the guts. But I've been so bad wanting to start Four Bar Friday on Instagram has that four bar Friday mm -hmm. thing. And they do, you, you just share and then you just say whatever four bars you want. Mm -hmm. I was so bad wanting to do that. But, um, no, that's cool. I, my, I think I, we talked about this before mm -hmm. privately when, you know, I love that art in the loft does when people think of art in the loft, I think they think painting or photography mm -hmm. and that's great. I love that. But I also love that, there's language and I, mm -hmm. I, we had this discussion I, there's dance, right? Yep. And then there's just so many different forms of art that I want to continue to advocate for in that space. It's a beautiful space where people can perform a dance. Mm -hmm. There's, it's a space that can, where people could come read poetry or, you know, write poetry. I, I just think there's such a great opportunity for that space to not just be photographs and paintings, yep. Um, you know, sculpture, just all those other things. And I'm, I love that you've taken that and really kind of ran with it. You know, um, the Bastos did that beforehand mm -hmm. and they still do. Yep. And I, I love that too. So I just, you know, I can't wait for the next person to be like, Hey, you know, for someone that does dance to do like say, Hey, let's bring some interpretive dance mm -hmm. into that space and continue just to push what I think it could be, you know, really an art center. Yeah. You know, not just, you know, an art gallery for lack yeah. of a better term. So. And that's, uh, you know, a huge piece of this is like, I, I'm, I, I'm an, I'm an interesting poet, not in the sense that my work is interesting. I don't want to be like self entitled with that. Um, I find it fun, but others are confused by it sometimes. Um, but the, side of like I it's not all that I do you know like Dominique her art is poetry right I do poetry but I also engage with um more of the experimental theatrical side of things like how do we how do we maybe take poetry and put it into a theatrical version or how do we uh I'm submitting something to Winterview and how do I make it a visual art piece when it's not just, you know, on the page. Um, and I think it is this huge conversation of like, um, where can we take art? What can we push the limits to? What can we have this conversation of? Um, 
in one of my favorite quotes that I have been living by the last two years is by Mary Rufel. Uh, in her book, Madness, Rack, and Honey, she says all creative, all creative activity stems from a violent impulse. And what she means is this idea of art is meant to cause a stop, you know, cause us to relook at something. What is that photograph of, you know, a dew adorned leaf, if not a, you know, an act of advocacy for its beauty? You know, what is a poem if not a call for us to stop and sit down and look at the beauty of a page? You know, and so how can we have these conversations? And that's what the Poetics Lab is really trying to do and where I've also taken some of my other advocacy um, avenues as well. Um, you know, I've gotten quite a few projects under my belt right now and just trying to keep them alive and a lot of fun. <laughs> Well, since you, you have me, my curiosity peaked with what you just said, now you gotta read something. Oh, okay. Well, um, mm, I love this piece. So, a part of the uh, Winter View exhibit that I'm going to be putting in to be juried in um, is it's called the whole uh, series is going to be called Erasing Hate. So I've taken a lot of those um, angry letters that have either been written about me or against the conversations that I've had or misinterpreted pieces, and I've kind of broken them down into uh, the bare bones. And so I've created what are called erasure poems, and those are, you don't really write erasure poems because you've taken what is already written and you are finding the poem within that piece. And so... Um, what you get often with an erasure poem is it, hard to kind of describe, but a page like this is a letter where a lot of it is blacked out. And so it kind of looks like one of those confidential like um, pieces that you would see in like government movies and stuff. Um, but this is just what I would consider probably one of the main focal points of that, um, of that exhibit that I'm proposing. So... This one is titled, We Oppose Our Schools. We asked light at risk of being labeled salty to flavor hopeful halls, spark equitable dialogue. Both parents and teachers' disheartening thoughts, fruitless and ineffectual, remain unheard, drowned out by domination of prepared diatribe, despite congratulatory cheerleading. The takeaway for anyone who cares is a perpetual passing of responsibility. Those woke spoke feeling afraid and unsafe, real concerns being canceled, dissent and non-compliance. Those yelling loudest about being bullied are the ones bullying. Since dawn of man, no group of man that bullies have not prayed. We all want children to deal with bullying, teach, not tolerate, but to stand up themselves, to open a veiled with oft-repeated morality. Man said he wouldn't be in business very long. Equates children with blueberries. That analogy, parents are the buyers of the blueberry that make or break. Parents have first, last children, not experts. We heard message that hands are tied by states, union unmentioned, heard long suffering, victimized by our troublesome blueberries. The state 
don't make laws. Those hands are willingly tied. Pilate washing his hands of blood. Pilate chose status over truth, compassion for him. In that position, we are obligated to agree. Prayer, trump, truth, will teach and serve best. Pray, stop responsibility, hierarchy inaccessible. Experts serve us. Agendas have no place in education. Our children demand the bowing interest ideologies, tyrannical and damaging of white, the implementation of race, moving away from education and toward indoctrination aware of God, who opposed the uneducated through tyranny, teaching ideologies, exposed parents, students across the nation indoctrinated in those ideologies and states as those who oppose our children, save indoctrination, developing alternatives to schools. We pray rhetoric, but reality suggests wise prepare for waves unwilling to acknowledge as it spreads blueberry jam. Nice. Thank you. I can understand why you say some people might not understand. Yes. <laughs> but I dig it. Thank you. Right. <laughs> All right. It's, um, it's, interesting taking a lot of this and as we talked a little bit about trauma and a little bit about that conversation like reading these letters is hard like i don't want it to seem like oh all it is is just you slapping a couple of black lines over the words you don't want to hear rereading these letters over and over and over again is difficult and the reason i'm doing it is because there needs to be a conversation Right, like art opens that door and this poetry is meant to be that opening of that door. And so being able to host this and yeah, people are probably gonna be mad. They're probably gonna see, oh, I wrote that <laughs> and be angry that I utilized it, right? And I'm not picking from one side over the other. I'm picking from the conversations that are happening. In both letters to the editor, I'm giving credit to the Alpina News. I'm giving credit to the places that these are published. It's just conversations that I think are important to be having. And to be completely honest, this is where I feel more comfortable doing so. <laughs> Not getting up in front of the Board of Education or being rushed at a town hall or, you know, like all of these different places. This is just where it is. I agree. Mm -hmm. there, I can under, well, I shouldn't say agree. I could understand that. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense to me that especially with your background of being a linguistic major, I'm not surprised at all that you feel more comfortable in that. So, Well, do you have anything else for me or Brad? Um, I think just a couple of, you know, um, other pieces that I'm bringing, you know, the positivity side of things. Um, we are hosting a safe space for BIPOC, which is Black Indigenous People of Color and um, LGBTQIA plus students um, and youth as well. Um, and so if anyone in those two communities that are within this, within Alpena or even just in Northeast Michigan in, um, in its entirety, we are hosting um, a group called The Treehouse and it is going to be held at the Art in the Loft. This one is going to be Thursday, October 21st, but it is a recurring event as well. That one's from six to eight. And of course, you can always email me again at mitchelldibzinski at gmail.com if you have questions. Um, and then the, the second 
or the third opportunity, I guess, is going to be for an organization called the YA Civ, and that is the Young Adult Council for Intersectional Voices. Um, it is a young um, advocacy council. Uh, that promotes young adult-led advocacy and change by engaging in personal and creative expression within the Alpena community and surrounding areas. And so it is going to be a space where we uh, kind of take what I've been talking about art this entire time. I kind of use Mary Rufel's, kind of, I do use Mary Rufel's uh, quote about creative expression um, as kind of like the focal point for this conversation and the conversations that are going to be held in this council. Um, and this is... Open uh, applications are going to be for individuals or young adults from 16 to 25 years of age. And again, you can email me at mitchelldibzinski at gmail.com. Again, that's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-D-I-P-Z-I-N-S-K-I at gmail.com if you would like to sign up for this as well. Um, and again, that's in partnership with Art in the Loft and Empower You. And I just want to thank everyone for giving me this platform to kind of come in and speak about this stuff. So... It's cool to, I mean, it's come full circle at this point mm -hmm. in the pod, to listen to you talk about what you do, to then have you give the reading, to talk about how you're more comfortable using that mm -hmm. as your voice, and then now to talk about how you're giving opportunities for others to maybe use the avenue that you're comf most mm -hmm. comfortable with for them maybe to use it as well. Yeah. I think that's cool. Thank so, you. Um, all awesome. Not as awesome as our top five. Oh, I'm excited. Um, we'll let's take a break and we'll come back. You ready, Brad? I'm ready. Okay. All right. Tonight's top five is our top five Pokemon of the Pokemon 151. So. Of the, yes, the original, right? Yes. The Kanto, the first. Right. I got it right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mitchell, so what you need to know is I have, I mean, you know that your mom's my age. Mm -hmm. I'm going to school there. So I have kids that are close to your age. I grew up watching Pokemon with. Uh huh. That's what. So my Pokemon journey isn't so much of my own, but more as being the father to them and growing up and watching it with them. Mm -hmm. So I know the 151 better than anything else because by then, at the point when they stopped caring about Pokemon, that was all over. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have the first pick. You we've given you the rules. Uh huh. And I know you have a lot of not anxiety, but you're. You're worried that you're not going to get to pick the five that I'm sure you have. Oh, yeah. To, so. I've, see, I've been the kid that I was into Pokemon and haven't stopped being... There's, what, 900 plus Pokemon now, and I am I could probably name more than, more than all. Um, and so, yeah, I have feelings about this topic. Um, I... Oh, the first pick. This is dangerous because I know you've got a list of cute mons over there that I'm like, err. Um... Let's go. I'm gonna have to go with Gengar. Nice. And, uh, homeboy is uh, Ghost is my type, so Gengar is up there. Interesting pick first. <laughs> um, well, my first pick. So I'm going second. 
Um, I, I go right out the gate because it's the one I would. If I always look for any time I go anywhere. Charmander. Okay, that's a good one. He's kind of cute, Brad. Is he? Good but more than anything else, he was disgruntled within like Ash's world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he had a little authority complex with him, and I kind of dug it. So. Yeah, especially once he got to Charizard too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so if something I pick isn't on the list, isn't right, just let me know. Oh no, you're fine. I'm only picking this one because of a story about Steve's son in the movie theater when he came on the screen in his Charizard. Yes. He got so mm-hmm. happy, he's like Charizard. <laughs> so I'm gonna pick Charizard first. I believe that was the Mewtwo movie, the movie with Mewtwo. Okay. And the, then was, was it Detective Pikachu, the yeah. most recent one, or was no? It... This was like a long time ago. Oh, like it was on like cartoon. 2000. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there was a battle, and like I said, Pikachu was getting his ass beat, mm-hmm. and it looked like it was all bad. And then Charizard came out of nowhere, and my son <laughs> lost his shit. <laughs> Good. So, yes. Because yeah. <laughs> as we said, Charizard necessarily didn't get along with Ash, but all of a sudden he came to his rescue because mm-hmm. deep down he does like him. And just, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Number four. I'm just going to do it and take Pikachu. <sighs> so you should know that's what I was going to pick next. All right. I like Pikachu. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. It's a it's a safe choice Pokemon to have yeah. in your top five. It's a good one. So my favorite thing that I have is that one time on Twitter many moons ago, there was a video of somebody driving a car through a crowd in Times Square, just like a uh-huh. you know an idiot. And into Times Square was all these people that are dressed up in costumes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And through this one area, there was a guy in a Pikachu costume. And I commented on Twitter, I'm really surprised Pikachu didn't hit him with a Thunderbolt attack. And it was one of my more popular <laughs> tweets. Everyone loved it. Like, everybody was like, I mean, here's this very serious track of just thing. And then I just went, oh, I'm surprised he did it. Zap him. And everybody was like, huh, that's kind of funny. So, yeah. Ooh. I'm not going to pick. I hate picking in the middle. It's always tough. I got Charmander. I'm going to stay small then. I'm going Squirtle. Damn it. Damn it. Okay. I'm a big fan of anyone that wears sunglasses. <laughs> yes the callback so uh, I love that he wore sunglasses uh huh and his uh, whole like firefighting brigade <laughs> yes uh. yeah so like I said everything I have is all based on these cartoons that I watch with my kids mm-hmm. over and over again so yeah I think that's what I'm gonna go with I would've gone with Pikachu but you took it stolen from me all right. I have to go with Snorlax next. 
He was on my sheets. Um, I'm really happy you didn't take him because I often go between him and Gengar as my favorite Pokemon ever. And, uh, Snorlax. OG Pokemon right there. Blocking the way to Lavender Town. <laughs> I know. Like, there it is. Man, I had a short board, and I'm going to let you know. Man, three are knocked off. Then you get to pick again. Oh, I get to... Ooh, that's fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Um, let's go with Alakazam. Nice. Because, well, you... I too wish I could double, like, double hand like spoons and just yeah. be okay with it. It'd probably be with ice cream, but <laughs> I can't believe you took Snorlax. I really thought I was going to be my sleeper picking this. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, I'm gonna. I can do that. So my number third pick is Psyduck. Okay. Do you know anything about Psyduck? He's a duck. <laughs> I kind of like the way he looked. You would actually... He was from... He was in Detective Pikachu, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You would be a really good Psyduck guy. He's quiet. It really doesn't do anything the whole time. You're kind of wondering what's going on. And then all of a sudden, he just surprises you. That's kind of like you a lot. It kind of is me. Yeah. <laughs> so. wonder if Psyduck would be an accountant and then come full circle here. He could be. All right. Yeah. All right. Two picks, Brad. My next pick... He's got sort of a Kirby feel to him, and it's Jigglypuff. Okay. <laughs> I, yes. saw, I saw him. I can see Meowth from here, and I was like, do not take Meowth. <laughs> no, it's pink and yeah, puffy. Uh, yeah, I can see that you're, you're throwing back to Nintendo, so I'm all right with that. And the next one will be Bulbasaur. Oh. Uh, it sort of starts off like Bulbas, but it's Bulbasaur of upset that was the starter i was gonna go with but it's okay it's fine it was my first ever pokemon really yeah back to me huh oh man there's some really ba- i know i'm gonna stay save last which goes with what we we've already mentioned him so i'm fine with that oh my god i can't believe you took jigglypuff <laughs> I'm going to go Butterfree. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, I can get behind that. Well, I, there's a whole bunch of different reasons for it, but I needed something that went all, you know, full evolution. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where it's at. So. You got two. It's, oh, it's time for two. Do, is this my last two? You, 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 get, yep. yeah, you go four and five. Okay. So, Okay. This is important then. Hmm. Uh, number four is going to be Dragonite. Okay, yeah. Um, and I say that because pseudo legendary, great Pokemon to play as, a lot of fun, but also curveball of this entire roster because it doesn't belong with its first two evolutions. you look at the first two Dratini and Dragonair and it's like oh they're like majestic blue snake like beings and then you get this clumsy you know almost Barney looking dinosaur that's yellow (laughs) and it's like beautiful this is wonderful Um, and then number five I think is going to be one of the more 
people probably wouldn't have thought this. Uh, Crobat. <laughs> no. No, Golbat, not Crobat. Okay. Sorry, Crobat's in the next generation. Yeah. Golbat because of Crobat. Um, I do love, I do love Crobat so much. And if I'm going to step up into that, I have to go with Golbat. So I did not pick a very diverse, um, uh, yeah. you know, typing team, did I? No, I kind of thought the same thing. I was wondering when I, I was going to take some time at work and play it out. Like I actually have a really, um, diverse roster but then mm-hmm. i was like just go with what's in your gut because that's how i mostly do this so i've been saving him for last and he's there so i'm taking him mewtwo is going to be my final mm-hmm. fifth pick if anything for super smash brothers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so anytime you can get somebody off smash brothers it's a good it's a good time all right my last pick i guess will be ratatata yes <laughs> yes just because the picture on Google is a purple rat pointing. That's exactly what it is. Um, there are playthroughs online where they'll play through the first generation of Pokemon with only a Rattata, and it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's pheno- amazing. That is skill. <laughs> yeah, if you can do that. Well... Justin's son Gray will be excited to have this because he collects Pokemon. At least he used to collect Pokemon cards. And he's going to be pretty juiced that we uh, did this. Any honorable mentions, Mitchell? We give them to you here. Oh, uh, Cubone, adorable. Um, And Bulbasaur would have been on my roster if it hadn't been stolen from me. Um, Sad. Um, Just Steven. (laughs) <laughs> those are the big ones you know when they started introducing more ghost pokemon is when i really like fell into the groove of it um, okay but yeah yeah brad any honorable mentions just because i like his name weedle okay i kind of wanted to pick meowth just because like well, he's such a main character of the team city. rocket yeah team, some, yeah. yeah but like just didn't happen. So Meowth gets honorable mention. Maybe I'll start watching Pokemon. You should. There's this all about. It's on Netflix. I started rewatching the first season. Mm-hmm. All 151 episodes of it or whatever it is. It's like an extreme amount of episodes. Oh, yeah. Those, um, those first, like the ones that go by region are really really expansive seasons but they also have a new one pokemon journeys Mm -hmm. and that one is like a couple of episodes a season like apart and um it's it's really hard because they play them over in japan first and then will release them here and i my facebook feed is always full of like oh ash caught this pokemon i'm like no don't look at that spoilers is what you're telling me Oh, I remember something I wanted to talk to you about really quick. Are, did you like Marvel at all or no? Uh, yes. I, have you watched Black Widow yet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I finally watched it. Uh, did you watch the end credits? Yes. This whole thing has come full freaking circle. Like, I'm just like amazed right now. I mean, it's been a while since I saw it. But... It's just like to be, well, I've kind of watched it backwards, right? So I didn't get to watch that when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I've watched WandaVision. I've watched 
uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, and yeah. then I watched What If, and then to watch that, and then Loki too, yeah. and so to watch all those, and then to watch that end credit scene, and then I'm like, what the bleep is going on? Like it's just so cool how that whole thing, and then I saw the second trailer for uh, Eternals. No, um, this show it's coming out at Thanksgiving. Hawkeye. Yeah, Hawkeye. Mm. I saw the yeah. second trailer for that, which looks really good. It's only six episodes, so. Yeah. So, all right. Anyways, I just had to get that out for a second. What did you think of What If? Did you watch it? Yeah. I really liked it a lot. Um, what I like the most about it is, as a comic book fan, it always seems like DC had really good cartoons, like on TV, and Marvel just did not give a crap about mo- short type movie cartoons. I loved it so much. First of all, prior to because they had the actual actors' voices in them, which mm-hmm. I thought was a nice touch. But they were really well illustrated, really well done. Like if you watch like Batman and Hush on Netflix or any of those other ones, they're just phenomenal. Yeah. And then you would watch like Spider Man, and it was just like done by Jordan, my kid. It's just like <laughs> terrible, and I, just so refreshing to see him care for once. Yeah, to really put some thought and. I love even more. It's like kind of what they did with the Clone Wars where you don't have to watch it to kind of still know what's going on. But if you do watch it, it's layered into the universe. And I really mm-hmm. love that. So. Did you ever watch Harley Quinn? I watched the, like four or five episodes. I really like that one. Yeah, it's really good. It wasn't what I thought it was, but that's a great another example of how well it's done. Yeah. Right? And then you're just like, why don't they get it? Very adult. Yeah, hundred percent. So, all right, what are you doing this weekend? Um, I don't know. I was supposed to go to Mackinac Island, but it's supposed to be kind of poopy this weekend. Yeah. So probably just stay home and get Brooks' house together. I am putting the jersey out, of, pulling it out of the rafters, and I'm putting it back on for. A, I'm not calling it my final. I'm just coming out of retirement and bartending a wedding this weekend. Yeah. You never know. I mean, you're going to bartend and take photos one day. I'm not going to do you're that. You're going to do it all. <sighs> it makes you want to drink. So, Mitchell, what are you doing this weekend? Anything cool? Um, well, if our meeting still stands on Friday, tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. Yeah, so I get to meet with you. Really cool opportunity. Um, but I also work at Art in the Loft on Saturday okay. and am getting drinks with a friend afterwards. And then on Sunday, I think I'm going to take a day to relax, which I haven't done in a while. So <laughs> Good for you. That's a great point. Since you brought it up, you could go see – I don't think this will be out in time, but uh, Emerald's still going through, I think, until end of October. So, uh, November 11th, I yeah. believe, is the last day. So if you guys want to come on up there Saturday, see Mitchell, check out the art. Brad's got a piece in there. Two pieces. Two. I got some pieces in there. So uh, that, Brad. that, Brad. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't put two together. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy so. your pieces. There we go. Good. So, I yeah. still got to go and see if any of them sold. Probably not. Yeah. I just like to check once in a while. No, don't blame you Mitchell thank you so much for coming on and uh, just doing everything that you're doing for our community I, I, I just think the world of it so well thank you for having me I really appreciate it and it's a great little platform to have so I appreciate it thanks for coming on anything Brad with me if you ride with me you can slide with me if you